Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 15, The Social Work Student. Welcome to another awareness offering, y'all. Thank you for being here, as always. And as always, if you want to support what's going on here on the show, the best ways you can do so are by rating it and leaving a review on whatever platform that you are using to listen. And I'm also ever grateful if you decide that you want to share on social media or, you know, in a conversation. But the, um, the, the true gratitude is just to be able to be here and share with you and have you listen and receive. So thank you as always. And let's get into it. Let's go into our traditional shared opening ritual of singing the sound of Om one time. Om is the sound of consciousness. It is the fundamental vibration of awareness that brings everything in existence to life. No big deal. And when we're singing it, we're calling on it. We're calling on more awareness to be with us. And that's kind of the point of this podcast is more awareness. So we start with OM, the sound of consciousness and awareness. And you can do this practice by singing out loud or just by listening silently. If you're coming along, I'll invite you to get your body into a comfortable position. You can close your eyes, gaze down the tip of your nose, gaze at the floor. Whatever's supportive and safe for you to do that kind of releases your external vision for a moment to prioritize looking inward. And then take a deep breath in through your nose if nostril breathing is doable for you. And then out through your nose, clearing the path for consciousness with your breath. And then inhale for one sound of OM. for joining me in that practice and now we'll get into this week's discussion and I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience as a social work student if you don't know I am currently getting my master's degree online from Florida State in clinical social work so I've been studying social work in depth for a couple of years and I just finished a clinical internship wherein I've actually been seeing clients and I've been a practicing counselor and I've been putting both my goals and intentions, um, you know, things I've been working for for years, wanting to be a therapist, I've been putting that into practice and I've been putting what I've been learning into practice. And the inspiration to talk about this on the podcast specifically comes from 
it's just it, it comes from a funny place. There's a story behind it, and it involves social media because of course because of course it does because I also um, one of my other jobs and skills is spiritual social media. I'm a spiritual social media manager, so it's all connected. Um, so <clears throat> excuse me. So last week. I was in session with a client and they were expressing to me some insight that they came to about their life and about their patterns. And I, of course, was sitting with them in that and we were engaging in some therapeutic processing around it. Um, But internally, I was feeling aware Honestly, that's social work language, <laughs> um, which is good. Like when I when I speak to clients, a lot of the times I talk about what I'm aware of about our conversation, about the moment we're in, about their body language, right? I'm feeling aware is something I say a lot as a social worker, which is great. But I'm going to shift and I'm going to just straight up say... I felt called out. (laughs) I felt both seen and understood and very called out by the insight that my client had because it felt like it could very easily apply to my life and to my own patterns in a way that was both really real and great information and a little bit uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, So I, you know, I've been processing that. And then I've also been listening to a song, and this is all going to tie together, but I've been listening to a song by OutKast, incredible hip-hop band uh, from here in Atlanta where I live, and the song is called Spody Odie Dopalicious. I'll repeat that, Spody Odie Dopalicious. It's an incredible song with a really just like funky beat, and it's one that you ride around in your car to and feel amazing. Um, So I've been listening to that, and in the beginning of the song... um, Andre 3000, I think it's him singing, he sings the word damn a few times in a row. And that clip, someone saying damn over and over, kind of reminded me of how I feel and how I felt when I was in a session with my client and their insight about their life made me feel seen and called out. It felt like damn. (laughs) And so this is how this ties into social media because as you probably know, if you're on social media, the, the big thing right now, the, the primary kind of trending type of content or media to create on social media is video content, specifically short form video with music, a la TikTok. The TikTok app has inspired all of this. And of course, Instagram um, being the <laughs> uh, fundamentally corporate pro- platform that it is now had to get in on that. And so they've created their own version of TikTok in the form of reels. You can post Instagram reels, which is Instagram's answer to short form, catchy video content with music. And (laughs) although I am very much aware of uh, the downsides and downfalls of Instagram and its corporate nature and all that that entails, um, I have chosen to use reels instead of TikToks. really just because I do social media for a living. I'm already on so many different social media accounts that I cannot have another app. I cannot have another social media profile. I have to very consciously manage my energy by choosing wisely and choosing in a very picky way what platforms I'm willing to be on. And I'm just not willing to be on another platform. So because I can still be on Instagram and make short form video content with their version, I'm choosing to use Reels. (laughs) So all that is to say, my feeling called out by an insight that my client had about their life and this song by OutKast that I have been enjoying with the three words, with, with damn, three times at the beginning, 
have all inspired me <laughs> to create a reel, to um, depict my experience in the form of Instagram art. <laughs> um, so I, I have already made this reel and it's actually, if you follow me on social media, look out for it because it's the real, this reel is what I'm going to use basically to share about this podcast episode. I'm going to promote that pod. I'm, I'm going to promote this podcast episode using that reel, but it starts with the beginning of the song and I'm sitting there as kind of looking like I would, if I was listening to a client speak, sitting in presence and then there's a little um, text box on the screen that says when an insight that your client has about their life makes you feel seen or called out about your own stuff. And then the screen switches and it's me sitting there looking very called out, mouthing the words damn, damn, damn over and over again um, to over this over this outcast song. So I'm basically using outcast to represent damn, how called out I feel um, when my clients come to an insight that feels like it's uncomfortable to me um, in a really informative and real way. And I sh- that's, you know, that is uh, tangibly, that's the sequence of events that led me to this place where I am now sharing a little bit about my social work experience on the podcast. But it's real, right? It really happens. If I'm going to share about my social work experience and what I've learned so far as a student, as someone who's studying social work, the main thing that I could share is that I'm still a human, right? I'm working on these clinical skills. I'm working on showing up for people in a therapeutic way with presence, compassion, empathy, and skill to help them grow, to help them process through life events, to empower them. But I'm also showing up as a human, And because I'm a human, I relate a lot to the experiences that my clients have. And it's an interesting dance because I am a helping professional. The relationship that I have with my counseling clients is a helping relationship. So it is always primarily about them. It is not about me. And so my work is always to be practicing self-awareness in real time so that I'm not bringing my own stuff, my own patterns into the conversation, into the space we're sharing in a way that might influence them or might make them feel like I expect them to be a certain way or even make them feel like I'm trying to tell them what to do. It cannot be about me and my stuff. At the same time, me and my stuff are there and they do, um, me and my stuff, we get called out and we feel seen and understood and we relate very deeply to the stories of the clients that we see. Um, And these moments when I have all, you know, as funny as they may be, as Instagrammable as they may be, as much as they may lend themselves to outcast songs, um, these moments where I feel uncomfortable or I identify with something that my client says, they happen. The the trick, if you will, is not to do my own processing around that when I'm in the space with the client. Even though I feel like I relate to what they're saying, I still can't really bring that into the space in a way that makes it about me. And so I acknowledge it internally 
and I stay present with what the client is telling me and how this relates to their story. And then later, I can go back and really sit with the fact that that really touched something in me and I have something to look at with that. So it's staying present with my clients in their experience, staying present with myself enough to know when my experience is coming into it and not leading from that place until I am in my own kind of in my own space where I can do my own private inner work. And it is really important to maintain the container of that helping relationship where it is about the client. It is about being fully present to the person who's in front of me, but it does feel important to kind of demystify the facts or demystify this idea that clinicians, therapists, counselors, whatever kind of helping professional you might think of are these cold, detached clinical beings who just show up like little computers who just sit and listen and give advice. And we don't have human hearts that get very touched by what our clients share. That's not true. I show up as a human and I relate very deeply to what my clients share with me. And I think that's okay. And I think that actually is a skill. I think it could make me a more empathetic, understanding, empowering practitioner. It's just a dance. It's a balancing dance like so many things are in our lives. Can't be, you know, there, there can be too much on either side. There could be too much detachment. There could be too much humanness. Uh, but it's this dance of allowing my humanness to see the client and to show up for them in presence and to um, have an open heart to them. But knowing that there's a time and a place for me to really fully experience my relationship to the client. And it's actually not when the client is in front of me. But all this is to say, even though a a helping relationship is primarily, excuse me, had an air bubble, (laughs) it's primarily about the client. I learn from my clients just as much as they might learn from or be helped by me. And that's a concept that I was first introduced to by my supervisor and mentor and um, a social media client of mine. I have a very multifaceted relationship um, with this wonderful person. Her name is Lena Franklin. I talked about her on last week's episode too. She is at I am Lena Franklin on social media if you want to find out more about her. Um, but she's all she's supervising me. I'm in my internship. I have been seeing clients. And since I'm not a licensed practitioner, since I'm still in school, um, I have to be supervised by someone who is a certified practitioner. And she is an MSW. She has a master's in social work. And so she's been supervising me. And she first introduced me to and uh, taught me about the idea that um, we are in the therapeutic space, the counseling space, alongside our clients. And they are helping and teaching us just as much, if not more, than we are helping and teaching them. And I have found that to be nothing but true. And this latest interaction where my client they really, they were just incredibly insightful and self-aware and willing to be radically honest about a pattern that they have that is not serving them. And that made me feel um, called out because I can see that same pattern in myself. And that's just one example of how my clients teach me and they hold a mirror up to me and they show me myself. But all the time, my clients say things that are so insightful. They, they 
come out with these nuggets of wisdom. And in the moment, of course, I'm still just, I'm being present to them and I'm processing with them how they relate to these little pieces of wisdom and their own experience. But in my head, again, I'm like, damn, that's amazing. That is so insightful. You're teaching me all the time. And all the time they learn things about themselves that feel similar to things I've learned about myself. And it teaches me more and more. And again, the, the, the skillfulness in that and, and the way to hold that with good boundaries and with clinical skill and in holding the container of a helping relationship is to be aware of it in real time, but not to lead with it, to continue to lead with the client um, and then take it into my inner work later. But it still happens. I absolutely learn from my interactions with clients and every day, especially days when I see clients, I am humbled and very struck by what a gift it is to one, just be present to people in their reality, in their vulnerability, in their willingness to touch into internal places that are not easy to touch and to grow and celebrate themselves and be real with themselves. Just to be present to that experience for another person is an incredible gift. But then to hear someone's insight about that, insight about being alive and being human is such a teacher. And I absolutely learn from the people that I am here to help every single time that we are in relationship with each other. And I'll reiterate it one more time just because it is incredibly important. I relate with boundaries. I relate with the clinical skill of self-awareness so that my own patterns are not um, coming into the space and I'm not unconsciously projecting my own story on the client and then expecting them to react the way that I would or I'm not trying to influence their behavior. That awareness is so important. But I think it's just as important to recognize the humanness in helping professionals because we have so much to learn and our clients help us so much in that learning. And this reciprocal relationship of helping it helps the world. The more people are present to each other, the more people are both willing to put their own stuff aside to be present to another person as the helping professional is, and the more people who are willing to be really deeply in their own stuff and be real with themselves as the clients are, the more real the world gets. And so I really believe in this work. And that has been the biggest lesson and piece of my experience as a social work student so far is the real humanness of myself as a helping professional and the way that my clients hold a mirror up to me and teach me about myself uh, and just teach me about life in general. And I'm grateful. And so this episode is called The Social Work Student. And of course I am in a very technical sense, a social work student, because I am literally in school, getting an education, working toward a master's degree in social work. But that's actually not what I mean when I say social work student. I actually mean that I will always be a student in the realm of social work. As long as I work in this profession, I will be a student because I will be learning from the incredible insights that my clients have about their lives, which teach me about myself They teach me about being human and they teach me about the world. So this sharing of my experience is actually just a commitment to being a forever student. 
which is something that's really deeply connected to the path of yoga and the path of spirituality, which are both connected to my work as a social worker because the type of counseling I offer to people um, in my capacity as a studying or training social worker, um, it's integrative counseling, which means I integrate the principles and practices and skills of yoga and meditation into the therapy space as a way of helping my clients regulate themselves and grow and empower themselves. And so it's all related to yoga, but especially this commitment to being a forever student, it's a very yogic principle because, and I believe I've discussed this on the podcast before, yoga never stops. We are not, we don't just, you know, master a certain pose and then we're done with yoga we've done yoga in the past tense we've done it check done we don't get to the point where we can meditate for a certain number of minutes a day and then we're done we did it we're spiritual no more of that it's a continuous practice and a continuous process and it's a way of living life and life doesn't stop till we're dead so yoga never stops and what yoga philosophy teaches us is a concept called beginner's mind a willingness to be in each moment as if it's new, because that's one of the most powerful ways for us to be present without needing to hold so tightly to the baggage of what we've done, who we've been, what's happened in the past, or hold so tightly to the fear and anticipation of what might happen in the future. Instead, if the moment is new, we can be clear and real in it. And that is both a, a skill that shows up and serves well in the counseling space that I'm in of just being new with my clients in every moment, right? Not actually bringing my stuff into the space and not judging them for anything that they have said or done, being new with them in every moment. Um, and it's a yoga practice as well. And so this commitment to being a student of social work, a student of yoga and a student of life is... The, it is the intention that's going to lay the foundation for the embodied practice that we're going to do together because this is the Awareness Offerings podcast and we spend a little time talking and then we spend a little time practicing, letting go of the, the mind, the brain, the cognitive stuff and getting into the body, the heart, the present moment. So now is the time on the podcast where we practice together. We do some guided meditation. So if you're in a space where you can't sit still and quietly this might be a great time to pause the podcast and come back when you do have the space for that. But if you're coming along for meditative practice right now, I will once again invite you to get your body into a comfortable position. Coming into a comfortable seat for meditation, which is any seat as long as you can lengthen your spine and sit upright. Upright just because we don't want to fall asleep in meditation and I say we don't want to with the acknowledgement that I will never judge you <laughs> for falling asleep if that's what your body needs. But this is consciousness practice. We try to stay conscious um, so we can be aware of ourselves. So sitting upright to avoid falling asleep and then lengthening the spine because it is, it's the central line of the body. It's the central pathway through which all our energy, our nervous system signals, everything moves. So when it's open, there's a little more of a flow and a connect, a connect, a connectivity to things. Uh, so finding any seat where you can lengthen your spine. That might mean you're sitting on the floor. If you do so, I will highly encourage you to put something under your tailbone, whether it's a blanket, pillow, towel, cushion, just anything to lift your hips higher than your knees, which will give your low back and knees some more space. 
If you're sitting on the floor, you can put pillows or blocks under your knees for support. You can sit with your back against the wall. You don't even have to cross your legs. I know we we think of legs crossed as kind of a classical yoga posture, but you could also extend your legs. You could bend one knee or both and put your feet on the floor. You could sit on your heels, right? Anything goes. And that means you don't even have to sit on the floor. You could get yourself positioned in a chair or on your bed. You just find your long and upright spine. And know that as we go throughout this practice, if you need to take a moment to move and adjust your body, you can. Generally, we try to hold stillness as a way of of making contact with the stillness and quiet of the present moment. But if you need to move to take care of your body, you have permission to do that. Not that you need my permission, but I hope you'll give yourself permission also. So settling into your seat, and as you do so, you can close your eyes. You could gaze down the tip of your nose. You could gaze softly at the floor. Again, just releasing and kind of letting go of your external vision. All the external noise and chaos and information and stimuli that we have to take in on a daily basis Just letting that go to prioritize your internal sight instead, even for just a few minutes. And then you might start to follow your own breath as a way of continuing to step into yourself, into your inner experience, into your experience of the present moment, since the breath is only happening in the present moment. So you might just notice as the breath comes in through your nose, if nostril breathing is doable. And as the breath moves out through your nose, just watching it like you'd watch a bird or the ocean, not needing to change it or overanalyze it, just being a witness to this flow of life and awareness that moves through you, just breath in and out. And the witness, that cultivating that witness self of just watching the breath is another way of really stepping out of the chaos, the noise of our day-to-day lives and into a space that's a little more quiet and real and deep, which are the qualities we're trying to access in meditation. We're not trying to be perfect. We're not trying to have zero thoughts. If you're having some thoughts right now, it's okay. We're just trying to get a little quieter, a little more real, a little more deep. And the breath is one of the clearest pathways to get there. Just witnessing as breath comes in and breath goes out. And witnessing is another way to start to practice beginner's mind, that commitment to being a perpetual student of life. Because if we're witnessing, that implies we're not actually, we're not operating from a place of you know, pain over our past or anxiety over our future. Everything is new because we're just watching it happen as it happens.
So you might extend that witnessing beyond your breath to witness whatever sensations you might be feeling in your body. Whatever emotions you might be holding and working with right now. Whatever energy feels present in your field. Maybe the sounds that you hear in the space around you. Maybe even the thoughts that you have. Just witnessing everything you can without grabbing it. Just witnessing with as little judgment and attachment as you can. And it's a practice. You might still have some judgment and attachment. But the more you come back to that witnessing intention anyway, the more skillful you get at the witnessing. And yes, I did say you can even witness your thoughts. You don't have to push them away. You definitely don't have to shame yourself for having them. One of my first mindfulness teachers uh, is Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Buddhist monk. And one of the first quotes I ever read by him the moment he became my teacher was, Feelings come and go like clouds in a windy sky but conscious breathing is my anchor. Feelings come and go like clouds in a windy sky, but conscious breathing is my anchor. And I I kind of insert thoughts into that as well. Thoughts also come and go like clouds in a windy sky. And just like we would watch clouds move across the sky, as if we were laying on the ground in a moment of relaxation. We can watch the clouds move across the sky of the mind, anchored in the breath and anchored in that witnessing practice. Just watching. Watching your experience move through you. And now that we have set the container, set the space for just witnessing and presence, for the newness of the moment. I'll invite you to bring your awareness to the base of your spine, to the place where your tailbone meets whatever you're sitting on and whatever you're sitting on meets the earth. So basically where your tailbone meets the earth. Just sending some breath there, maybe imagining your breath moving in and out at the base of your spine. Maybe just feeling the sensations that you feel at the base of your spine to bring your awareness there. Maybe visualizing, if visual practice works for you, visualizing pouring your focus into the base of your spine, like pouring liquid into a bowl. 
And we'll breathe here, awareness at the base of the spine. Still just watching, watching what you feel, how you respond, watching as your awareness lands here. And this, the base of your spine, is the first of seven energy centers that live along the the channel of the spine, the chakras in yoga philosophy. And this is the first one, sometimes called the root chakra because it's associated with grounding, safety in the body, just the physicality of being in a body. And it's also associated with new beginnings. It is the beginning of the chakra system. It's kind of, as I've been taught, it's where we say yes to our journey of consciousness or spirituality or growth or whatever you call it. It's where we decide to take that journey. And it's where we begin again and can begin again in any moment. It is the home of beginner's mind, of deciding to begin again and of seeing each moment as new. It is where we make the commitment to being a student of life, being a student of our path always. And so you settle your awareness into the base of your spine and perhaps you say yes to being a perpetual student Perhaps on each exhale, you just imagine letting go of baggage from the past, pain from the past, stories from the past, letting go of fear of the future, attachment to the future, stories of the future, and just allowing this moment to be new, to be a beginning, and you here, a student, a devotee of that newness, just breathing in and out at the base of your spine. Gravity, lovingly drawing your tailbone close to the earth and grounding you in as you begin again and again and again and again on every breath. Taking a few more breaths in this space of newness. Sitting with yourself as the student of every experience. The student of the path that you are on.
And then I'll invite you to take a deep breath in through your nose. Sighing through your mouth to ground and release. Two more sighing breaths. And then you can let your breath do whatever it does. And when you feel ready, you can begin to blink your eyes open. Maybe begin to move your body. Just come back into the space outside of your formal meditation practice. And here we are in this new moment. And the next moment gets to be new too. And the next moment, even though the formal meditation practice has ended, to be a student of our lives, our experiences, and the path and the work that we do is to be in each moment as if it is new and to be in each moment with gratitude. I'm so grateful for the experiences of my social work education so far. I'm grateful to the clients that teach me so much. I'm grateful for the space to share and process here. And I'm grateful to you for receiving and listening. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram.